Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in St. Matthew's Gospel, either in the fifth chapter, beginning at the first verse. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall seek God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And now, now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. And it is a good morning, isn't it? The sun is shining. Nice to see it on that beautiful east window. I hope that all of us are glad we're alive that we thank God for the privilege that we have of being in his temple and worshiping him this day. If you looked at your calendar, and you perhaps heard me say it at the lectern, today is known in the church as Septuagesima Sunday. That's rather a jawbreaker word, but it simply is a Latin word for the numeral 70. It simply indicates that now we are about 70 days away from Easter. We are turning away from Christmas and Epiphany. We are turning now towards the Lenten season and towards Easter. And today, of course, is a special occasion in the history of Emmanuel Congregation because we are observing this day, the 29th anniversary of Emmanuel's radio ministry. As you recall, it was on the last Sunday in January in the year 1943 that our first service went out over the air. The word of God that I just read, this text, is very appropriate for this occasion, for an anniversary Sunday. No doubt you recognize it as part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was up in Galilee at the time during his Galilean ministry of two years, and we are told they went up into a mountain. The Bible does not tell us the name of that mountain, but tradition said it was the mountain called the Horns of Hatton. We also know it as the Mount of, again, the Beatitudes, because the text that I read it has that section of the sermon that we call the Beatitudes. It gets its name, by the way, from the Latin because the word blessed in Latin is beatus, and in the Latin that word is first. So from the beatus we talk about the Beatitudes. He went up on a mountain, the horns of Hatton, he had his disciples, and he had his followers with him that day. Then he began to preach, and he told them, he said, Blessed are you. In other words, he was saying to them, write this on your hearts, you who are my followers, you who are faithful to me, you who accept me as your Savior. He says, blessed are you. I want you to know this is what he's saying. You are the most fortunate of all people on the face of the earth. You are of all people, he says, the best off. 
You are therefore the very blessed of all, barring none. You are the most fortunate persons on the face of the earth. And not only did he say it once, blessed are you, but he said it nine times, blessed, 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 blessed. You and I may say, was he exaggerating? Nine times he told his followers, you are the most fortunate individuals as my followers on the face of the earth. And on this anniversary Sunday, Jesus speaks to you and me from the word of God and the Beatitudes, and he talks to you and to me as a Christian, and he says, blessed are you, nine times he would emphasize it. I want you to know, he would say this one, write it on your hearts, never forget it. You are, of all individuals on the face of the earth, you are the most blessed, you are the most fortunate, you are the best off, you are sitting on top of the world, you are sitting pretty, you've got it made. Uh, speaking in the vernacular of today, you, know, you and I may stop for a moment, we may say, wait a minute. Do you mean to say that Jesus is saying nine times to me this morning, blessed are you, you are as a Christian the most fortunate individual on the face of the earth, barring anyone. You are the most fortunate. You are the one who is the very best off. You are sitting on top of the world. And we may say, doesn't he know that everything just isn't roses and roses all the way in the Christian life? We may say, there are roses, but has he forgotten that there are thorns also in the Christian path? It isn't a bed of roses, we may remind him this morning. We may say, why doesn't he tell it like it is? Why doesn't he let us know if he's going to tell us that blessed are we, that we are of all men, we are the most fortunate individuals on the face of the earth? Why doesn't he tell it like it is and remind us that it isn't all roses and roses all the way, or that there are thorns. But may I say in this sermon, let me tell you, whether you've seen it or not, he tells it just like it is. He doesn't forget the thorns. The thorns are there in the Beatitudes, and don't you ever forget it, friend. Jesus says this, blessed are you. You as my followers, you are the most fortunate individuals on the face of the earth. You are sitting, as it were, on top of the world, spiritually speaking. And all because Jesus would remind you and me, he knows, as he tells it like it is, that there are thorns in the Christian life, but he also would have you and me know that there are roses and that the roses more than compensate for the thorns in your Christian experience and mine. We want to look at it this morning. Let's look at the thorns and let's look at the roses. Do they compensate? Do they make up for the thorns? Do they more than balance the thorns in your Christian experience and mine? Jesus says, write it on your hearts. You are the most fortunate as Christians. You are the most fortunate individuals on the face of the earth. You've got it made. You're sitting on top of the world because Christ would remind you and me that even though as Christians, you and I are poor in spirit, nevertheless, we have this joy that ours is the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you, he called a spade a spade. He didn't forget the thorns. What is he saying about a Christian? He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. That poor in spirit, that's a thorn in your life and mine as a Christian, isn't it? What does it mean? 
It means that every Christian knows that he is destitute in the sight of God. You and I know on the basis of the Ten Commandments that we are sinners, that we are guilty in the sight of God. You and I know that we are damned because of our sins in the sight of God. You and I know as Christians that we haven't one good work to offer God in exchange for our salvation. You and I know that all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. That's a thorn in the Christian life, isn't it? And you and I are saying, yet I am to believe that I am the most fortunate individual on the face of the earth. But look at the rose that goes with it. Jesus says, yes, but blessed are those who are poor in spirit because it's for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But you and I as Christians, having that thorn, knowing that we are poverty-stricken, spiritually speaking, nothing to offer for our salvation, but we have turned to Jesus Christ, haven't we? And because he died for our sins on the cross and has told us that when we put our faith and trust in him, that we come into his kingdom, that we belong to the assembly of the saved, then we look at the rose and we say, look at the rose, though. You and I as Christians were spared an eternity in hell. You and I in Christ Jesus have the assurance of an eternal life with God in heaven. Jesus says, oh, he says, blessed, 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 blessed are you. You and I may say, why doesn't he tell it like it is? And he does. He tells you about the thorns. In this sermon, he was calling a thorn a thorn because it reminds you and me again to write it on your heart in spite of the thorns, in spite of the adversities that you feel come to you as a Christian, remember, oh, you're so blessed. You are the most fortunate of all individuals on the face of the earth because it reminds you me that even though as Christians, you and I mourn. Nevertheless, he says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Oh, there's a thorn in your life and mine. We mourn. What do you mean? What is there about mourning in the Christian life? What's the thorn? It's this. How many of us, when we look back in our lives, don't mourn and regret things that we have done that have been wrong? How many of us look back and we're ashamed of yesterday? And we regret it and we say, but it's done. And what is done has taken place and you can't undo it. There is a thorn in every Christian life. When you and I look back the sins of our youth and the things that we have failed to do, we look back and there is mourning, there's the thorn, but Jesus says, write it on your hearts. Blessed are you. Why? Because there's this rose, you shall be comforted. And what's the comfort? The comfort that when we turn to Christ Jesus, he said, I have forgiven you your sins. I remember your sins no more. Though they be as scarlet, they shall be whiter than snow. He is obliterated from his mind forever. Everything in the past that may bring you and me regret so that there is this rose in the Christian life that you and I can forgive ourselves because he doesn't remember your past and mine. These things have been washed and obliterated forever from his mind. Is it any wonder that there on the horns of Hatton when he preached the sermon and the Beatitudes that he was speaking it just like it is? He wasn't overcoating it and he wasn't whitewashing it and he wasn't saying there aren't any thorns. He knew the thorns. He was one of us. He was down here on earth. You and I may say that I'm to look at myself as a Christian as being one of the most fortunate individuals on the face of the earth, that we are the most blessed, we are the most fortunate, we are the most well-off. We're actually sitting on top of the world. Yes, we are. That's what he said. He said it nine times. 
Why? Because he reminds you and me also that even though we are Christians and even though we are meek, nevertheless we have this joy that the meek shall inherit the earth. You say, what do you mean by meekness? When you and I became a Christian, uh, that meant this, that we became humble. And that meant this, that regardless of what comes in your life and mine, regardless of the adversities and the troubles and the sicknesses and the heartaches and the deaths of loved ones, as Christians, you and I say, I dare not murmur. I dare not complain. I dare not look at God and say, God, what kind of a God are you? That's a thorn, believe you and me, that you and I are to be humble, we are to be meek, and we never question God's ways because sometimes in your life and sometimes in my life, God's ways just don't make sense. Now, do they? But let me tell you, it's a thorn in the Christian life. When you and I say, but God doesn't ever want me to murmur. God never wants me to complain. God never wants me to be guilty of sputting. I dare not turn against him. That's the thorn, but Jesus says, write it on your heart. Blessed are you. You are the most fortunate individual on the face of the earth as one of my followers. Why? Because, he says, the meek shall inherit the earth. What does that mean? Jesus says, while you are here on earth, you're going to have what you need. And I will watch over you that nothing will ever come that will overthrow you. And I will provide for your needs. And I will give you strength for the day. And you will have something to eat and you will have something to wear. And I'll put a roof over your head. And I will watch you and I will guard and protect you that you will have the world, the earth. You'll have everything you need. You will be immortal. So your plan and your mission are completed in life. We sometimes say to him, why didn't he tell it like it is? And believe you me, he did tell it like it was and like it is in the Sermon on the Mount. But oh, what a tremendous thing. Blessed. Oh, you're the most fortunate individual, he tells you and me on this anniversary Sunday and all the world. Why? Because again, he, he knows the thorns. He was here for 33 years, but he also knows there's some roses. And he reminds you and me, therefore, that even though we are Christians, that means that we hunger and thirst after righteousness. Nevertheless, there is this joy, there is this rose, that again, we shall have that righteousness fulfilled. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for again, uh, they shall be fulfilled and shall be filled. We shall be filled to the brim. All right, what does he mean? In your Christian life and mine, there's a thorn. The thorn is this. We, we want to live a Christian life. And like St. Paul, isn't this, we sometimes say, the things that I want to do for God, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do in my life every day, I do. How can I be filled with any kind of righteousness? But oh, and we cry out, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And we say, there's a thorn in the Christian life. Uh, what can Jesus tell me in the Sermon on the Mount? Uh, that I am the most fortunate individual, and amongst Christians we are the most fortunate people on the face of the earth. Uh, when again I hunger and I thirst after rice and want to be a better person, and I fail and come short every day. But he says, we shall be filled, because you see, he's got a righteousness that brings forgiveness. And it's like standing under Niagara Falls, isn't it? That when you and I do whatever we do and we fail and come short in fulfilling that righteousness in our lives, oh, his forgiving righteousness and his forgiving grace, like the torrent of Niagara, it pours itself and it flows on your soul and mine that we are in a constant state of forgiveness and we are kept in grace and we are never out of grace. That's the rose. Oh, he says again, you Christians, nine times he says, blessed, blessed, 
Blessed, blessed, blessed, blessed, blessed, blessed, blessed, you and I say, wasn't it exaggeration? No, no. If there was anything of which he was convinced, it was this, that his followers were the most fortunate people on the face of the earth. No one needs to pity us because he reminds us he calls it like it is, and he tells it like it is. Yes, he knows about the thorns, but he knows about the roses. And he says, blessed are they, even though in your life and mine we are called upon to show mercy. Nevertheless, he said, there's this rose. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You know of any thorn that is tougher in your life and mine than to be merciful? Now, let's admit you see, the very word mercy carries the idea that you've got to be kind and you've got to be forgiving to the guy that doesn't deserve it. You find it easy? I don't. Do you? Let's uh, be honest with ourselves. Be merciful. Kind and forgiving to the guy that doesn't care. Forgiving whatever he does and carry no ill will. You find it easy? I don't. Let me tell you, if there's ever a thorn in the Christian life, that's one. But he says, listen, Christian, you've got to be merciful. This is part of the Christian life. You've got to forgive. You don't carry your will. You forgive and you forgive and you forgive. And then you show kindness and mercy to those even though they don't deserve it. This is the thorn in the Christian life, but he says, listen, you are the beatus. You are, again, blessed. You are amongst the most fortunate. Why? Because there's a rose there. You're going to obtain mercy. Therefore, we ought to be, again, and realize and write it on our hearts, we are absolutely the most fortunate individuals on the face of the earth. This joy of knowing that when we show mercy and when we see that there's a forgiving spirit and there is no unkindness, and we show our generosity that that shows a living faith. And when we shall stand before him that we shall receive mercy. You see, all of grace, it's all mercy. To know that in mercy he will deal with us and we don't deserve it either. But he will say, come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom. Uh, this is the rose. Up there on the horns of Hatton in that sermon Sometimes we fail to realize it, and uh, again, we say, what's he talking about? He was talking to his followers. When he was saying, Beatus, when he was saying, here, blessed, he was saying, I want you to know, write it on your hearts, and he's telling it to you and me today on Anniversary Sunday. You are the most fortunate individuals on the face of the earth, and we, we look at him and we say, why didn't he tell it like it is? After all, I've not found the Christian life of better roses. He didn't say so. He has assured you and me there's plenty of thorns, and he mentions them in the Sermon on the Mount so that you don't forget them. But he also would have you and me know that the roses, they more than compensate for the thorns. Not only are we to show mercy, but he says here, even though we are Christians and we are to be pure in heart, nevertheless, we have this joy that we shall see God. There's another thorn in the Christian life. Blessed are the pure in heart. Who wants to be pure in heart? Our young folks are being told, you don't want to be pure in heart because there's no fun in that. Yet Jesus, he talked about the heart one day. Remember he said, out of the heart, here's the kind of heart you and I have got. Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Now he comes along and he said, here's the thorn. As a Christian, this is the thorn in your life. I want you to have a pure heart. I want you to squelch those evil desires. I want you to kill them. I don't want you to live 
on pornography. I don't want you to fill your heart and your soul with all the dirty immoralities and the dirty pictures and the dirty stories and the dirty literatures that are coming out. And you and I say, well, then what fun is there? But Jesus says, that's the thorn in the Christian life. But he said, here is the rose. You shall see God. To see God. You know, Moses wanted to see God. Remember back in the Old Testament? And God told him, Moses, if you ever saw me in all my glory, you'd die. And he only saw a reflection of the glory of God. But you and I as Christians, yes, with that thorn, we have this rose which makes us the most fortunate of all people on the face of the earth. That someday we shall see God and live. We shall stand before God and is holy in his glory. And to realize that holiness is happiness, that the pure in heart who shall see God, it means an eternity of absolute bliss and happiness. That's the rules. I wonder if Jesus isn't right when he talks to you and me this morning, reminds us that, again, he says, Beatus, he says, blessed are you. Nine times. To impress it on, write it on your heart. Don't you realize that you are the most fortunate as my followers on the face of the earth? Because we say, oh, doesn't he see that life isn't a, it isn't a bed of roses for us as a Christian? There, there aren't roses and roses all the way. I see a lot of thorns. And he says, don't you think I know there are thorns? He calls a spade a spade. If you want to mix the metaphor, he tells it like it is. He says this, that even though you and I are Christians, he says it means this, that we are to be peacemakers. And then he says ours will be the joy of knowing we are the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Do you have anything any tougher in life than to be a peacemaker? Let me put it up. To be a peacemaker as a Christian means you've got to be a doorman. You've got to let people wipe their feet on you. I think that's one of the hardest things in the Christian life to learn. Amongst our young ministers, it's one of the hardest things that they've got to learn. Why? Because unless you're a doormat, unless you are a peacemaker, you can tear the church apart. You don't realize it sitting down there. Like last Sunday, one of the deacons after we had had communion, he was saying this. He says, you know, you sit in the pew every Sunday. He says, yeah, everything just goes like clockwork. You think everything's just fine. Then he's a deacon, and now he finds out what it means. The glasses have to be washed. They have to be filled. And what to do? And he says, I never dreamed there was so much to it. Just like in a congregation. Do you realize that when you go to even decorate a church, and I mentioned because we just finished the elevator. You know when you go to decorate a church, the question, who's going to do it? And they spread a congregation wide open. It all goes back to the ministry unless you can be a doormat. Not only when you put in a carpeting, it all depends on when about eight or ten want to sell it to you. Where do you buy it? And let me tell you, you can only buy it one place, but if you don't buy it where somebody thought you should buy it, they get angry and they quit the church. Well, then what's the color going to be? And you see, all these things come back to the ministry. With the few cushions, what color are you going to have? Some people get pretty excited. It all points back. Who's going to play the organ? Who's going to be the choir director? Who's going to sing the solo? Who sings the duet? Who sings the quartet? Don't you ever think those are little things? Just let somebody get his fur 
rubbed the wrong way, and let me tell you, it all goes to the minister. It's a rough job. I've learned it long ago. You can tear the church wide open unless you're a peacemaker, unless you're willing to let people walk on you. That's a thorn, let me tell you. Do you have you learned it? Or do you spot it back when they give it to you? Do you hand it back an eye for an eye or a tooth for the tooth? And you and I say, Jesus means to say that we are, as Christians, we are the most fortunate people on earth. Yeah, because he says, when we've learned that, we, again, here's the rules, we shall be the children of God. If we're God's children and Jesus is God's son, then we're, we're God's, again, adopted children. And we're a joint heir with Jesus of eternal life. Uh, can you pass that one by? Can you surpass that? I don't know about you, but that's quite a rose. I think we are the most fortunate people in all the world. But don't you ever kid yourself, there are some thorns. Then he goes on to say, listen, blessed. I like this nine times. Blessed, 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 blessed. Don't you forget it. You are the most fortunate people as Christians on earth. Because even though he says we shall be persecuted for righteousness' sake, then again, here's the rose. Ours is the kingdom of heaven. To be persecuted for doing right. That's a thorn, isn't it? Don't you just hate to be persecuted and be criticized when you've done something that is right? I'll never forget as long as I live when General Douglas MacArthur was flying back to this country when there was a man that had said, God, give me the strength to do the right as I see the right and the candy. He got fired because he did what was right within his own soul. You and I say, that hurts. That hurts when you're persecuted for doing, when you lose the job because you did something right. You couldn't go against your own conscience. You'd get it because that's the way you live. Don't you ever tell me that that isn't a thorn. But you say, where's the rose? But Jesus says, yours is the kingdom of heaven. When you've got a living faith that shows itself and you say, this is right. God help me, I'm going to do what is right because this is what he wants. I'm not going against my conscience. Uh, Jesus says there is a living faith that assures you that you belong to the people of God, you belong to my kingdom, you have eternal life. That's the rose. No wonder, he says in this Sermon on the Mount. Let me tell you, if anybody ever called it and spoke it like it is, he did. Maybe you and I have read it with a little sugary feeling we've never gotten what he said, but up there on the horns of Hatton, let me tell you, he said, Beatus, Oh, yeah, he says, blessed are you, write it on your soul. And he says, I'm calling it like it is. I know. I know the thorns in the Christian life that you take on yourself when you become my follower, but I want you to know something about the roses. And then he goes on with this last one. He says, he realizes and would remind you and me that even though we are Christians and that means we are persecuted for his sake, then he says, ours is the joy, great is your reward in heaven. And he said, listen, Christian, I know the thorn. When you suffer for my sake, that's bearing the cross. Did you ever get laughed at for being a Christian? Anybody make fun of you because you're a child of God and you go to church 
and laugh at Jesus Christ, they would say that he died and you believe that he rose again. You and I stand, it's no fun. They've been persecuted. Millions have been put to death. But let me tell you, that's a thorn. But Jesus says, here's the rose. Great is your reward in heaven. Oh, he says, when you stand before me, every scar that you've got because of me, he says, I'm going to reward you accordingly. There will be different degrees of glory in heaven. And let me tell you, the scarred ones, the ones that are all marked up and marred because of Jesus Christ, Christ said, don't you ever think I'll ever forget it. Great is going to be your reward in heaven. This is what he's saying. This is anniversary Sunday. You may say, what's this all got to do with anniversary? Well, just this that I wish we'd write it on our souls this morning and stop feeling sorry for ourselves and we'd say to ourselves, Jesus is right. We are absolutely the most fortunate as Christians, most fortunate people in all the world. We're sitting on top of the world and when we write it on our souls this morning, then we ought to say, I'm going to thank him for the privilege of talking about this blessedness for 29 years. Oh, I remember the first broadcast very well. I remember the first money. Again, my undying gratitude to Raymond Roker when I had this dream that we might go on the air, that he was the guy that came and he couldn't afford it, but he said, here, Reverend, $500, let's get going. That started it. 29 years. The broadcast this morning is going to be 1,513 in an unbroken series. We have, again, been thankful to God for the dream to put it out over the air, to tell people again about this blessedness that's worthwhile. We ought to, when we write it on our hearts today, we ought to ask God that God would give us strength in his province so we could continue to do it. You may say, what's the use of broadcasting? Do you have a message? I don't know about you, but I think this blessedness is a message. I've never seen the world any more bewildered. Let me tell you, people are upset. No wonder when I just read of a theologian who said this about the reality of God. He called it the vestige of theism. In other words, uh, yeah, there's just a little bit of appendage left that some theologians still believe in the existence of God. But they'll get over it shortly and they'll finally come to come there isn't any God. A theologian. And theology means the science of God. Can you imagine a theologian who is spending his life in theology and he no longer believes that there's a God? Oh, listen, God's still there. Because up on the horns of Hatton, his son stood up there and preached one day in a tremendous sermon. When again he said, you, you beloved, you who are my followers on the face of it, I'm going to believe him. I don't know about you. Or another theologian, and he happens to be a Lutheran, who said, we've got to get over this dream of talking about immortality, of telling our people there's life beyond the grave. We've got to get over that. That when John talks about eternal life, that eternally tells us it doesn't mean duration. It means a whole life now. That, that's something for a theologian. God pity him as a Lutheran. And you say, is there any room for it? If there's ever a need to get up and to preach about the Beatitudes. To get up and to tell the individual, here's hope. Here's hope from again from the horns of heaven, from the mount of the Beatitudes, the Son of God says, when you believe in him, oh yes, there are thorns, but here are some roses. And you are therefore 
blessed. You are the most fortunate of all individuals on earth. And then today when we write it on our hearts, we ought to thank him for the blessings that have come. I know so many times you say to me, well, preacher, do you see any results? Well, you know, God said one day, you cast the bread on the waters, and he says, it comes back and you don't see it. But I see it in a lot of little things, just little things, and know how important. You meet an individual, say, they'll stop and say, uh, when we are not able to go to church on Sunday, we, we stay home and we tune in and we worship with you. Or you have somebody you meet in the hospital who say, we've never seen you, but I recognize your voice. I've been an invalid, and you've been a great comfort. The word of God, you've given me hope. Or you pass a widow as I did not long ago, and she said, my husband lay ill for months. And the last sermon he heard on earth was one that came out of your church, and he said he was ready, that heaven again was waiting for him and that he was ready for the cross and he wasn't afraid. These are some of the little things. But oh, they mean big things. What surprises I don't know we're going to see in eternity because we have shared, again, the word of God. We have shared this blessedness. God alone knows what it has done. Eternity will write the story. I don't know who's going to continue it and carry it on, but I hope to God that, Emmanuel, that you will stick with it, that you will share this, and let it be known that Christians are the most fortunate people in all the world. Sure, they've got thorns, but thank God for the roses. When we write it on our souls, let's go on and let's sing on the glory road that we are so fortunate. You may say, what kind of a hymn would be appropriate? You know, there's an old hymn that I've always loved, and it just fits. It starts out, blessed is he. There is the first part. Blessed is he. Oh, how fortunate. Here comes the thorn. Blessed is he who cries to heaven in the dark and evil day. That's the thorn. But here comes the rose whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are washed away. Jesus says to you and me today on Anniversary Sunday, you are the greatest. Blessed are you. Let's write it on our hearts and let's go on and share it because it's the only hope of the world. Remember on the horns of heaven one day the Son of God said, Blessed, 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 blessed are you. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.